turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrier, your host, and happy Taco Tuesday partaker. I hope that you are having a very good Tuesday, that you're coming off a restful, productive weekend, whatever you needed the weekend to be. I hope that it was that for you. I think it was for me. So glad to be back with you on this great Tuesday. Give me a call, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. You know, there are lots of political narratives out there today, and I've been thinking about election here is a week away, although you already have your ballot. And I would encourage you to go ahead and fill it out and uh, mail it in. I know there's groups out there telling you not to mail it, you know, that you should be in person. And I agree, mail ballots are not secure. There's a lot of problems with all of that, we have um, an election right here in Los Angeles being overturned that maybe we'll talk about later because of some fraud that happened. But just make sure you vote. You know, sometimes people say, nah, I don't want to mail it. And I'm, I'm one of those people. I like to show up on Tuesday and vote. But it's much better to go ahead and mail it than it is to forget to vote or have something come up on Tuesday and you can't be there. So make sure you do that. There are lots of narratives out there. And I want us to focus for a minute on a couple of narratives that are being put forward this weekend. And by narrative, what I mean is there are events that go on. Okay. So there is the tragic story, of course, last week in Texas with the shooting, but then both sides come up with narratives about whether or not this would have happened. Should certain laws be put in place? And sometimes the narrative is correct, right? Sometimes you really need to deal with that. But sometimes the narrative is we need to do this, that, and the other thing, and then these things won't happen. And that narrative isn't true at all. But it really has to do with winning elections, and especially in an election year, especially when elections are happening. Right now, they are happening, primaries in multiple different states. It matters, okay? And I think that for, for us, as we take a look at this, I want us to cut through the narrative. And in particular, for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we have a narrative that doesn't change. One narrative holds true. Jesus died for our sins, that Jesus Christ is the Savior Whoever believes in him will not perish, have everlasting life. You know, there is a a narrative. If the politics of the world is bugging you, and I think it should be bugging you, and I think if you are on the right or the left, you should have problems with some of the narratives going on on the right and the left. A lot of them have, you know, a worthy outcome they're hoping for. But here's one place that I think you and me and all of us need to be aware of. Our hope doesn't hinge on whether or not our side wins or our narrative wins the day, or the narrative of what we believe about a certain issue turns out to be true. It might, hopefully, we are pursuing in our political life things that are actually true. But regardless of that, our hope doesn't hang on that. Our hope hinges on the narrative of Jesus Christ being true. Amen? Can I get an amen? That matters greatly. And in today's political climate, election coming, I want to encourage you, stay focused on the biblical Jesus narratives in your own mind, but also in your relationships with one another. So I'm going to talk about some political things that are out today, but mainly I want to draw our attention to there is always, there is a narrative pushing in, pushing us in different directions that often has nothing to do with the facts. And that's one of the reasons that we don't come to any agreements on certain things. I mean, when you think about it, 
haven't most of the issues that we are talking about been issues for a long, long time? Have we really made progress with guns one way or the other? Have we made progress with immigration? Have we made progress with education? Have we made progress with climate change? Have we made progress with, you know, um, whatever it is out there that is your thing? And, you know, I've been around long enough to know we've been talking about the same things with very little progress for decades. And part of that is because the narratives that often get pushed, we, we push to an extreme, which often is not something related to the fact. There was a article in the um, Wall Street Journal today by Gerard, Gerard Baker, and it says this. It says, a crippling fallacy that characterizes our modern media is the idea that every event that rises to the level of news must connote some wider societal or political crisis that can only be remedied by government intervention. Uh, that's pretty serious. The, and that's what happens, right, is that it seems like our hope is going to come from government in, uh, intervention. So in all of the response about what's going to happen, what needs to happen after this Texas shooting, just like all the other ones, we're looking to the government for all of it when we know from data, actually, that the government maybe can do a few things that help here and there, but a whole lot of it has to do with who we are relationally, who we are as a people. Why does somebody get to the point where they feel like they need to take the life of a bunch of kids? How does it possible that somebody, whether it's legal or not, has the feeling that what they ought to do is go buy an, a uh, uh, an automatic weapon, and use it with people. How do we get – see, there's a whole lot more. In the next hour, actually, we're going to have a guest on who's going who's working with younger people to deal with anxiety and using social media to do that, and I think you're going to like that, so I want you to stay with us in the next hour. You can call me and join the conversation right now, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Uh, SoCalLive at KKLA.com is the email, by the way, if you want to email us. So I was reading this article, and I just thought it was from the Wall Street Journal. It's an op-ed piece. It says, tragedies, natural disasters, acts of unspeakable evil aren't simply to be reported and explained for what they are, the products of individual will or negligence, irredeemable human malignity, or some complex set of scientific interactions. Instead, each event, from lethal accidents to vicious murders to Category 5 hurricanes, is immediately sorted into its pre-labeled moral narrative file, each one full of similarly useful, useful um, parables. So what I want to get at is how do we get past that? How do we move to a place? I've got a few, a few clips of some of these narratives that uh, these are just today. Now, this is coming from um, uh, Washington and uh, kind of the, the left side of it. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's an interesting thing about somebody's asking me about how do you determine, you know, which side you're going to go after. Right now, the, uh, the Republicans have no power like they do. They have they have some political will, but they're, they don't run the Senate. They don't run the House. They're not in the White House. They're not here in California. They don't run the state Senate. They don't run the state assembly. They don't run any of our major cities. None of them. Uh, Republicans have very little uh, to do with anything at the moment. Now, if Republicans win big this fall, as lots of people say, then they're going to bear responsibility for things because they will be back. And that's kind of what happens. And sometimes maybe the, uh, in 2024, maybe the Republicans are in charge of everything, uh, probably not in this state, but nationally, and you have to bear the brunt there. So this is, this is some news from today. And um, 
the uh, Corinne Jean- Jean-Pierre, the president's spokesperson, uh, was asked today if any part of inflation, gas prices or inflation, is not about Putin, President Putin, because, uh, you know, the president likes to say and this is the narrative that they're pushing. It's political, that it's the Putin gas price hike. Right. And he neglects to say that half of our gas price hike happened before Putin did anything in Russia. But it's convenient, right, politically to say this. Is any part of our inflation not about Putin or Biden's spending plan? That was the question. Here is the response. Play clip one. Well, what I can say is we are, and Brian just spoke to this, we are at a historic place when it comes to the economy, when it comes to uh, unemployment being at the lowest that we have seen in some time, when it comes to the president creating more jobs in his first term, his first year, than any other president, eight point, more than 8.5 million jobs. Now we're going to a place where it's be, we're going into transition, where we're going to see an economy that's more stable, that's more steady. Ah, see? We're just in transition. That's why the gas prices are so high and inflation is so high. And it's all on purpose, right? We know what we're doing. Now, both sides do this, okay? When Republican presidents have been in office, they say the same thing whenever the economy goes bad. You try to point out the things that are good. It's true that a lot of people have come to get jobs in the Biden administration. What's not acknowledged is that we're coming out of the COVID shutdowns. And so most people are just going back to their jobs or to new jobs. And it really probably has little to do with any decision that has been made in uh, almost, you know, just barely over a year, right? And those jobs were coming back before Biden ever came there. Those jobs started coming back as soon as the shutdown stopped. Those jobs were lost because of the shutdown. And it's just part of the election year uh, narrative that is going on. See, I think that we can see through that. And it isn't to say that we don't hope that the president has a plan that's going to work because inflation is hurting people. Inflation, the gas, the food, everything that is related is hurting all of us. And America is not too happy about it. And we tend to vote with our wallets. At the end of the day, that is typically how Americans vote. If you want to be predictive on how an election is going to turn out, well, look at the economy, look at what people feel about it, and they're going to vote for the other side, whichever side is not in power That is almost always what happens, and it has very little to do with ideology. It has to do with what's in my wallet. Um, And I'm not giving a credit card commercial there, but, uh, you know, what do you have? Uh, That matters a lot. This morning on Good Morning America, uh, Leah Thomas, you know, remember who she was. She's the trans woman who was the swimmer uh, at UPenn and making history, uh, but she's uh, a guy or was a guy, however you want to look at that. And, you know, what I thought was really interesting is that Leah gave this narrative. So this is what they want us to believe about whether or not men who are now women should participate in ladies' sports, okay? Now, this, to me, this issue is clear. Most people agree that this shouldn't happen. I do believe it's destroying women's sports. I do believe hey, – what's the stop? So we have one person who – uh, is a male, born a male, on the ladies' team who wins all the time unless she decides to uh, hold back just so that she doesn't completely clobber all the opponents all the time to try to adjust the narrative. That's my opinion. Um, what happens if there are two trans women on the team now or five? At what point doesn't could the team just be all guys who now are women? There's nothing stopping that unless we actually take a look. And then there are no women swimmers. See, that's what's going to happen. Uh, and it's happening at people's uh, – at different ages. I was 
with some friends yesterday, and we were talking about how in the school team, in one of the Little League teams, there is a young boy uh, who is eight who is playing on the girls' team because he's identifying as a girl. And already at eight years old, he's the best player on the field. And what we are told is uh, there's nothing wrong with that, that he is a little girl, that that's what he identifies with, and he just happens to be really good. So I thought this was um, – this, this is the response to that, okay? So Juju Chang from Good Morning America asked Leah Thomas. She said that lots of data says that you physically have a competitive advantage. How do you respond? Clip two. There's a lot of factors that go into a race and how – how well you do and the biggest change for me is that i'm happy and sophomore year um where i had my best times competing with the men i was miserable and so having that be lifted is incredibly relieving and allows me to put my all into training into racing so what she wants us to believe what leah thomas wants us to believe is that the reason that she, he, Leah, I was going to say Leah, I don't even know what to say. Leah is, I do know what to say, it's a he. And that voice, if you weren't sure, it just is. That, that is Leah Thomas, who is a trans woman, but used to be a guy before the shutdown. So when she was on the men's team, when Leah was on the men's team, uh, Leah was ranked in the 400s and barely competitive goes over to the women's side and breaks records. And what Leah wants us to believe is it's because Leah is happy now that Leah was depressed before and therefore didn't perform very well. And that's the reason that while she was a man, um, she Leah couldn't do very well. Now that Leah is a woman, she's happy because this has been resolved apparently. And that's the only reason why Leah is winning. Do we really need to believe that? And why, I don't think anybody believes that, really. I think that there is a political narrative saying you have to continue to believe that. Later in the broadcast, Juju Chang had a medical expert on who, when the medical expert was asked, um, is there anything that would happen that would actually make somebody who is trans be able to be more equally balanced with somebody who was born as a woman. And this is what the medical expert says was the advantage. Go ahead, play clip three. Obviously, issues related to body size, airway size, hand size, foot size, perhaps bone density, and so forth. But I think the main thing is the just the interactions of exercise training and skeletal muscle. Essentially, biologically impossible. She followed up and said, well, is there any chance? And he said, well, after three or four years of research, we have not seen any difference. Meaning that if you're born a male, masculine, your hands are bigger, your muscles are bigger, your airway is bigger, you have bigger lungs, you have everything physically, physiologically developed in such a way that you're going to compete at a, a level that somebody who's born as a woman can't. That's the science. That is what is accurate. And what we are being told on this and a whole lot of different levels, it's something that just isn't true, that we're meant to believe that people are just happier and that's why they're working. I don't know that we're going to win this argument. I think the argument is already won. I think that culturally we know that's nonsense. 
But I think that we're in a place. I, I should take that back. I think we're going to speak up about it. But we need to speak up in a very kind way because this is the narrative that is also pushing why the eight-year-old is on the soccer field or on the softball team who is changing genders and happier maybe because they're now the best person on the team instead of the worst person on the team. They're not going to be happy, though, forever, and it's not real. And then we make them a medical patient when we push the puberty blockers, which, by the way, you're allowed to take to decide for yourself if you want puberty blockers if you're a little kid, maybe 12 years old in California. That would be true. Uh, and at the same, the same people would say that you're not capable of voting until you're 18, buying a beer until you're 21, that you can't make those decisions. We're going to have a national argument about whether or not you should be able to buy an automatic weapon at 18 instead of 21, with the argument being an 18-year-old just has no business having that. And there are going to be people on both sides who are going to agree with that. Like that, we think you got to be older. But if you want to make medical decisions for yourself that will make you a medical patient for life, which is what happens if you decide you're going to transition your gender, or if you want to make other medical decisions, abortion, birth control, certain other vaccines, lots of different things that in California, once you're 12 years old, your parents don't have to know. It can be, we say that's okay. See, this makes no sense. Now, the number here is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. To the believer, I think that the, the thing that we need to remember with this is to back out and say, you know what, there's all these narratives, and they will play out truthfully one way or the other. Narratives, ultimately, we start to see the truth. You know, one of the problems with the climate change narratives, and the climate is changing. There's a lot of reason to believe that there is climate change, the argument is how much does human uh, you know, industrialism and uh, the carbon we're putting in the air, how much is that affecting things? The problem with the narrative is that every hurricane or forest fire that happens, suddenly it's only happening because of climate change. I've heard climate change is the reason for this shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Climate change. Climate change was blamed as the reason for the rise of ISIS, uh, even though there have been people killing each other for thousands of years over all kinds of stupid things. I mean, it is. And then what happens, though, is that when you do that, when every time there's a fire, when every time there is a hurricane, as the Wall Street Journal pointed out today, even though those things have been occurring with random frequency and intensity for millennia, for all of the measurements that we have, we know those things happen all the time. If every time we have to go to some narrative to push something current, then nothing's going to be believed if something were really true. This is why, as believers, we can get into these conversations and we need to have them, but we have one narrative that doesn't change. It's the narrative of Jesus Christ. And you can argue about it. You can say, okay, if you don't believe he rose from the dead, look at the evidence. See, if you look at the evidence about climate change, you're going to find some that suggest the climate is changing. There's good stuff out there, but you're also going to find a lot of climate alarmism that is never right. You know, it's always six years out, 12 years out. It just never shrinks, right? So if it was 12 years four years ago, where we're just going to have a catastrophe and it's the point of no return. Well, should, we should be at eight years now. We haven't done anything, but it's not. It's still 12. And you just keep pushing that date out. You know, in the 70s, we're going to all freeze to death because it's the new ice cap. And then it's global warming. Now it's just climate change because then you can throw it all under the same thing. And see, when you, when you make narratives 
2005 Al Gore's movie. Did you watch that movie? Nothing he said in that movie came true. All of the predictions have now come and passed, and nothing happened the way he said it was going to happen. It discredits everything else. My thought for you, ladies and gentlemen, today as we look at the election time, we look at this world we live in, is stick to the narrative of Jesus Christ and then think critically about that and and that it's not going to change. You can be confident in that. And then the narratives in our politics, just go ahead and wait. If you're having conversations with your neighbor, your coworker, your classmate, people in your relational world about these political issues, and they're going to get heated here real soon. Next month, it's going to fire up from now till uh, mid-November. Our narrative is one that salvation is through Christ. Our narrative is that God created the world. Our narrative is that he loves us, that the God of the universe loves you. He loves you personally, that sin came into the world. And when sin came into the world, he promised a savior. Our narrative is that he called a people to build a nation, and they did, Israel, and that the Savior would come through that na- that nation. And there were prophecies that you can go read. There are the Dead Sea Scrolls, clearly written before the time of Jesus Christ, that point to Jesus Christ. And these prophecies, these stories, all through history, points to Jesus Christ, and everything since then points to Jesus Christ. And read your Bible today. Read the book of Revelation. Read about prophecy. You know, it looks like we're headed right toward that. And we have a narrative that when challenged, it turns out to be accurate. We have a narrative of Jesus Christ that when challenged, people come to Christ. Keep that in mind in all of this. You don't have to be right politically. You don't have to be correct in voting for the right person in order for somebody to be saved. You do have to be right about Jesus. And your job as a believer is to let people know that Jesus died for their sins, that there is a very simple narrative that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nobody's perfect, but every culture in human history has tried to live a perfect life that they can't live, and they carry around spiritual angst and spiritual guilt. There is one solution that's different than every other philosophical or religious solution, and that is Jesus Christ, that he lived the perfect life that you can't live, and you get credit for it. He died on the cross to pay the penalty that you owe for your spiritual angst, your guilt, that you sense, that every culture senses it's been paid for by Jesus Christ. And there is redemption, there is love, and there is resurrection in Jesus Christ and eternal life. This is the narrative, Christians, that we have to stick with. And if you're worried about our country and you're worried about whether these stories are true or false and the condition of our our politics, when people are focused on loving one another, as Jesus said, when people are focused on the truth and being patient, which is a fruit of the Spirit, our country gets better. When we're focused as believers on loving people the way Jesus loved us, when we're focused on loving others as ourselves, when we love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, our workplace gets better, our house gets better, our neighborhood gets better, everything gets better. That's the only place it gets better, when people actually do what Jesus calls them to do. This is the narrative that we should stay with. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, the number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. When we come back from the break, we'll take your calls, and we will take a look at a couple of stories in the news, including election fraud right here in Los Angeles and an election overturned because of that. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned.
Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today on this fine Tuesday afternoon. It is warming up just in time for summertime. Looking forward to summertime. Looking forward to being with you all summer long. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Here's a question I have for you. Do you feel confident in our voting system? Do you feel confident in our voting system? Now, when I when I ask this, you know, I kind of want to avoid a lot of the, you know, the four-year-old uh, 2016, I guess it's not four years old yet, two-years-old 2016 stuff. But what about currently? And maybe where 2016 has left you, do you feel confident that your vote is going to be counted correctly? Have you, do you trace your vote? Do you get, do you live in a uh, a precinct or a county where you can actually keep the little ballot stub and then go online and check it out to make sure it was counted and to make sure that it arrived and all of that. How are you feeling about that? Um, I'm curious about that. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-LA-TALKS is a good way to, to uh, remember that number. I'm bringing it up because we do have a uh, vote rigging scandal here, right here in the Southland. Compton City Council election was overturned in wake of this scandal. Two-term councilman Isaac Galvan uh, must be replaced by his challenger, Andre Spicer, after a judge determined that four, four of the votes cast in the election were submitted by people who did not live in the council district and that the two men um, in the uh, didn't live in that council district, according to a 10-page ruling. After a primary that was very contentious, Galvan beat Spicer by one vote, 855 to 854. Can I point out that your vote counts? I feel like we have sort of nationalized our elections in such a way that maybe we 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 look at the presidency where you know 150 million people are going to vote and we look at even statewide elections especially in California where millions of people vote and you know it feels like well my vote maybe didn't wouldn't have made a difference you know in our state if you are somebody who votes more on if you're a republican in our state you might choose to be voting democrat sometimes just because you don't think your republican vote is going to matter or you vote independent or you do something else. Sometimes I write my own name in just to see if it shows up. Every time I have a – when they used to have the digital ones, I'd put my own name in somewhere just to see if it would show up. Never did. You actually have to apply to be a write-in candidate and go through a process, which sort of defeats the whole purpose of write-in in my opinion. But 855 to 854, that's one vote. See, the the local elections are where it's at. And if you don't feel like your, elect, your vote matters, take a look at how close these – these elections are. And whenever you find uh, voter fraud and things like that, you often find it in these local elections like this because voter fraud and the scale of millions of votes is hard to do. People aren't really sure how you would do it. But how you would do it, if you're talking about one vote or five votes or 10, maybe 50, uh, you could do that, especially in our, our system the way it is. 888-528-2557. How do you feel? Do you feel like your vote counts? Do you feel like uh, our election system is working? Jennifer in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Um, To answer your question, I'm going to say no. This is the first time that I'm really on the fence. I I heard the story that you talked about, about how that one vote mattered. And it's the first time I am on the fence even about going. I'm not excited. I... I'm not even engaged. I feel like half of the people I don't even know anything about. Not only that, 
Um, I, I don't even like I, I don't even think half the politicians align with my values. And so that's why I love living in California. It's hard to move because everyone says, well, why don't you move out of here? I don't want to move out of here. Uh, but I just feel like I surrender. That's how I feel right now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like my vote counts. And I feel like I surrender. I'm just going to make the most of it. Do you feel like a lot of people feel the way you feel? Yes. I talked to some friends. I have some friends that are like, you have to vote. You have to vote. It, things are going to change. Then I have other friends that are like, why even bother? And I'm, that's how I feel right now. Why even bother? You know, mm-hmm. because I just feel like every, every time I get really excited and change is going to happen, nothing changes. And then what happens is then we have all these recalls, and then I sign, okay, let me, let me get involved in the recall, and still nothing happens. And so I'm t- I guess the best way to say is I'm tired and I'm pooped out from trying. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I'm tired. Yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying. Now, Jennifer, thank you for your call. So Jennifer, uh, she feels, uh, she said surrender. I thought that was an interesting word to use, that I'm just going to surrender, put up the white flag. Is that how we feel? I wonder how long we felt that way. 888-528-2557 is the number here, Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, 888-528-2557. Do you feel like your vote doesn't matter, or do you feel like it's just not going to do any good? Um, I want to encourage you that it still does matter, and I understand the surrender thing. And, you know, if you are a Republican or somebody who votes kind of on the right in California, yeah, you know, I get how that right now doesn't feel very good. But I would just remind you that, you know, there were Republican governors almost all the time until about uh, 10 years ago. And if you go back in the uh, 90s, which is not too long ago, every statewide office, I think every statewide office in the 1990s, for most of it, were Republicans. And if you go back a little farther than that, we were a red state. Uh, so things change. Uh, I don't think it's, you know, when you take a look at the, the country and even where we are locally, regionally, uh, things do change over time. I think that would be a reason to not disengage, even if you feel like your side is particularly on the outs. I mean, if you were a Democrat, did you feel like you had much say uh, around 19, uh, you know, 98 or something? It was, it was. Um, you know, moving in blue, I guess that direction. I don't know if did we really, we didn't use red and blue a lot back then, by the way. Did you know that? Uh, the red and blue thing became more of a thing after the 2000 election. And it just had to do with the division of that state in the Bush versus Gore and how close it was. And if you take a look at different programs, different news, you can go on YouTube actually and just watch election night from different uh, elections, 80, 84, 88, 92. And you can watch all the different stations, and I do because I'm a complete nerd about this, and I've seen it. You know, before the year 2000, the different channels would have a different color depending on Republican or Democrat. So you, if you go to like 1984, okay, Ronald Reagan wins every state uh, except Minnesota. Well, on NBC, all the states for Reagan would have been blue, but they were red on uh, on NBC. But if you go to ABC, all the all the states for Reagan are red and blue for uh, Mondal and uh, it, uh, you know, we didn't have sort of that divide. And I think now the whole red and blue conversation that we know what that means, uh, that's relatively new. 
And I would say that maybe we're in a period of upheaval where maybe we can get away from that a little bit more. But I want to encourage you. I do want to know what you think. 888-528-2557. Do you feel confident that your vote is being counted? Does the system just administratively, is it working? Um, or how do you feel about it? 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Victoria from Pasadena, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Hi. Can you Yep, you're with me, Victoria. Okay. Um, so my, my answer to that question is, then the lady that just called who was feeling like she just wants to throw in the towel, yeah. I would like to encourage her not to do that and to please vote. But I also understand her sentiments, because until we get rid of all the shenanigans that are going on and have been going on, in my opinion, for several decades, um, especially in California, uh, I think we need to get involved in the voting process and the election process. And so I think that what, when more people start to participate in the electoral process by being, uh, you know, working at your local precinct and, you know, whatever the different situations, you know, everybody has a different um, different gift. So I think that people should just look into what they can do to participate in this process. But I do think that we have a lot of shenanigans that we don't have any control over, and I think we've got to get to the bottom of it. And almost 50 years ago, France knew that they were going to have uh, a lot of fraud if they didn't go to paper ballots, voter IDs, one-day elections, and they count them in the precinct. So by 10 o'clock on voting day, 10 p.m. on voting day, they know what the tally is, and there's no shenanigans. And they have people supervising from all the different, you know, parties or, or categories of parties or whatever. So, it's you know, you feel confident that it's been fair. We yeah, don't I, have that here, and that's a problem. Yeah, I agree. I think that you're right. That is an inter- Thank you for your call, Victoria. I think that is an interesting point that, you know, when you watch these elections now in other countries, and how is it that they know? You're right, by, by uh, 10 o'clock at night. Oh, they, the, it's known. Why is it taking days? We have more people, okay? more ballots, and our system is different, okay? Every right. precinct. And you were saying that California, we didn't use that, you know, we shouldn't be discouraged if you, you tend to vote towards the right because, you know, they say California is a blue state, so if you're on the right, forget it. You might as well move out of state. I don't agree with that at all. I was born and raised in California. I was born in Newport Beach. I went to Laguna Beach High School, so I guess you could say I lived in a conservative area. Mm-hmm. I now live in Pasadena, which is L.A. County. I can tell you right now, we have a lot more conservatives than people let on, and that's unfortunately, I think it is because of the shenanigans that go on in our elections that we seem to think that all of these elected officials are conservative, and it represents the totalitarian, uh, the total uh, population of our state. I don't believe that's so. And if you look at our history, we have a lot of conservative people that have values that are, you know, aligned with conservative principles. And just really yeah. quickly on the Leah Thomas thing, I am so sorry that we have to figure out what pronouns to use and that <laughs> Leah Thomas, you couldn't even figure out if you should call her a she or a he or a girl or a boy. She, by, if we're going to be Christians, we need to go by the inerrant word of God that says there are two sexes and Leah Thomas is not a woman. Leah Thomas is a man. And yeah. Leah Thomas has no business competing against women. And I'm sorry that we even feel like we have to have this debate. We have to tolerate everything and, and appease. Eisenhower appeased communism. Look where that got us. He was a moderate. And he yeah. won the moderate wing of the party 
of, of Republicans back I gotta, then, conservatives in, up, up to the side. I got to take a break, Victoria. It's com- it's time for a break, but I appreciate your comments. And, you know, the the Leah Thomas thing, it's, it's a recent poll said 93% of Americans don't agree with the transgender narrative that we have to call people different things. By the, and so when I think of this and I think of even us voting, why is it that – so many people don't vote and don't speak up. Why are we afraid? And, you know, it's it's a very small number of people that are driving all kinds of different narratives here and there. And I think the election, I would like to encourage people. I got to I got to take this break. We'll come back in a minute. I'm going to encourage you, though, this way. The voting matters. And some of this craziness is because a lot of people don't vote. They just don't. And they they've been discouraged for a long time. That has to end. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. This is Scott Furrow, Southern California Live. We'll be right back with your calls. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Scott Furrow with you on Southern California Live. Glad to be with you today. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. We're asking the question, how do you feel about your vote in California as we come up to the election and as we are looking at a voter fraud election reversal that happened right here in Compton, um, where uh, after a primary... Uh, two count, two-term councilman Isaac Galvan has to be replaced by his challenger, Andre Spicer, after a judge determined that four, four of the votes cast in the election were submitted by people who did not live in the district. The Galvan had won the election 855 to 854, and now the official tally will be 854 to 851. That's four votes. That's less than one person per precinct, per place you go vote. And, uh, what happened is, is uh, prosecutors are alleging this is not an accident that Galvin actually conspired uh, with one of his primary opponents uh, to direct voters from outside of the district to cast ballots uh, in the runoff last June. And uh, they got caught. Now, with election fraud and things, you usually were talking about it in the context of millions of votes. And is that even possible? You know, Trump, Biden and uh, even stuff in uh, Georgia with uh, Governor there and uh, Kemp and Stacey Abrams, where she felt like uh, she wouldn't um, she wouldn't concede in uh, in a way because she felt like uh, there was voter fraud. No one's proving it on those uh, national levels in court anywhere. But here we have one that is proved, proven in court. And one of the points that I'm trying to make also is that you should vote because the local elections need your vote. Local elections, people who sit on the city council, people who sit on your school board, people who sit in uh, the California State Assembly who represent you. These elections are often decided by very small numbers, often less than one person per precinct, meaning if one other person on your street would have got up to vote, it could have changed the outcome of the election. Did you know they're that close? I mean, this one's one vote. It really does matter. Now, the, the elections in California... Recently, there have been a lot more people participating, and that is very likely because of the mail ballots that we do now, where everybody who's eligible gets a ballot. So in California, there are about 25 million eligible voters. About 22 million are registered Democrat, Republican, or other party. 
Um, and the way that breaks down, by the way, as of September 14th, this was the breakdown for the recall election last September. Uh, there were 24 million, almost 25 million eligible voters. 10 million of them are Democrats. 5 million are Republicans. And about six and a half are independent parties. Uh, so Republicans are at the bottom of the list there in uh, California. And out of that crowd, 51% voted in the election. Uh, in 2020, presidential election 2020, about 70%, almost 71% of Californians voted in that election. That would have been the first one where there were mail ballots, okay, where everybody got a ballot in the mail. Before that, in 2018, 50% of Californians voted. Before that, November uh, 2016, about 58. November 2014, only 31% of Californians voted. And it's pretty sorry most of the time. Well down into, uh, man, in 2009, special election, only 20% voted. What I'm arguing is that your vote matters. And now that you have a, a ballot that showed up in your mailbox, you don't really have uh, an excuse. And if you can be encouraged, you know, don't focus on the voter fraud so much. I mean, that matters. But, you know, if the votes were, if a lot more people are voting, it's a lot harder to get four people to change the election. Four people won't matter. Uh, well, it'll matter if it's close, I, sh- I guess, because it can be. But the more and more people who vote, the harder it is for fraud, um, the more likely that the actual feeling of people, if they're informed voters, is going to get um, uh, go to the winner of the election. Triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Steve from Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live. Good afternoon. I, How are you, sir? I'm good, Steve. Good. What? I want to say here that I am a lifelong Republican. I'm multiracially mixed. I love California. And, of course, I love New York, where I used to hang out. However, it is important to vote. I respect all parties. I respect all candidates. I am a little disillusioned because of what's happened recently and with the presidential election. I wasn't going to vote. But after hearing more what's happening and hearing you speak and watching other things on the news, I am going to vote with hesitation because I'm afraid of voter fraud. And I'm sorry. I really am. I'm going to vote, but I'm very hesitant. And I hope I don't sound like a cop-out or anything or wrong, but I'm just concerned about voter fraud. Do you feel like if you vote and you go ahead and do that, when you say you're concerned about voter fraud, do you feel like it doesn't matter what you vote because it's already rigged, or do you feel like your vote won't even be counted? A little bit of both, maybe. A little bit of both. All right, so you're not trusting the system is even going to count your vote correctly. Yeah, and I hate to say that. I'm so sorry. Well, I think that's all all right, Steve. Uh, Thank you for your call. I think a lot of people feel that way. I would encourage you to vote that regardless of what could happen with voter fraud. I mean, we just we just see this happen. And that's that's right. Right. People got caught. We should feel grateful that people got caught. They need to get caught. You shouldn't be voting in districts where you don't live. That happens, by the way, all the time. And people move, you know, and then they don't re-register and you, you've moved away and then you're voting in some election. Uh, it's really illegal to do that. Um, actually it's, you know, here's the thing. It's illegal in this case because people were moved. I, I need to go back on that a little bit because I think in California, 
you are allowed to vote in the last place you were registered. You can't register. These people registered at an address where they do not live so that they could vote. Um, But something else that needs to change in our state is that if you move, you know, you should be able to just register quickly to your new address. But you you especially if you move out of state, you shouldn't really be voting uh, for a state you no longer live in. Uh, Joanne from Orange. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. How you doing, I, Joanne? I'm, yes, I'm great. I've never called, but I'm very, very involved in this voting. Thing. Yeah. You know, I was raised in Maine, and we were all poor, and the Democrats took care of the poor people. Mm. I'm 80 years old. That has changed. The Democrats are not for the poor people. They claim to be, but we watch every day. I listen to both sides, and I wish I am a Republican and I am a Christian, but I wish that I could just vote for the right person. But it seems to me my kids say, Mom, that's because you're such a Republican. I don't feel that way, only because I try to listen to both. But I find so many lies, excuse me, I don't mean to be mean, but from the Democrats. There's plenty of not-so-great Republicans also. I was going to say, but do you feel I, like the Republicans really are helping the poor? You know, or is it, you know, are we just hearing rhetoric maybe from both sides? No, but no I action. think the Republicans do help the poor. How do they That's do that? That's what I feel. Only because I listen and I see what they say and I follow up what they say. Hmm. I think we have to follow up to people we listen to. Yeah, I agree with that. Joanne, I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to come up against a hard break here in a minute, so I'll let you go. I appreciate your call, and uh, I think what she's saying there about follow-up matters. You know, don't just vote and walk away. Vote and hold your, your person accountable. You know, I, I think that we get confused with, uh, with rhetoric and promises versus what actually happens. You know, to say one party or the other cares about the poor or one party or the other is more successful, um, I think there are individuals who are more successful and maybe individuals running in, in parties that maybe care more. But what actually happens? Can I encourage you that way? Number one, I want to encourage you to vote. You just – you have to vote. It makes a difference. Get out there and make sure you vote with the mail ballots. I don't like the mail ballots. I think it raises all kinds of problems. But at the same time – there's not really an excuse not to vote, right? You don't have to go wait in line. You don't have to do anything. Just fill the thing out, put it on your mailbox, and let it go. Some are going to be lost or messed up. Most of it's going to get counted. It will happen. You know, do that. But I think that as citizens, and I think as believers, we have to take a look at what the results are. What are the actions? We need to care about the poor, just as Joanne was saying. Are we really helping the poor? Is the homeless crisis getting better or worse? Are schools getting better or worse, especially for kids who are um, poor, you know, what is really happening as Christians, the vote is part of that. The rest of it is what we actually do in our churches. I got to go to a break. We'll be right back with a special guest right after this. that I think will be encouraging to you. 888-528-2557. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow. I'll be right back. 